1: Hey Bill, we're we're back at the bowling point. We are. How you doing, man? Very well. I just got back from uh, the Social Venture Network conference in Brooklyn, and it yeah. was, that's why my voice is gone. Oh. It's one of those. But you're not coughing. You, you no, were I'm not coughing, coughing. forever. That's so right. That's good. right. Maybe maybe the late nights uh, and the fun I was having at this conference made me better.
0: I, I don't know. But you can't you, you can't <laughs> let Jessica hear you say that.
1: No, no, of course not. But I I am totally inspired by the uh, incredible community of hundreds of business owners that come to this conference who are so committed to making positive change with their business, and more so for me than any other conference that I've talked to you about in the past, Dave, because uh, this year, a whole bunch of investors showed up, a bunch of wealth managers, and really, all these, like, we're talking big, big funds, fund managers coming saying, yes, we want to invest people's money into impact, and
0: yeah, super cool. That says that's, tells you a little bit about how the market's shifting, right? 100%. Eh? And I love it.
1: As, as far as a transition into this, um, this, this work is not just in the world of entrepreneurs, um, artists, musicians, authors, like they, there is such a force for change. Um, and I'm super excited to bring my friend and musician lo- I'm a long time fan of this gentleman's mu- uh, music, and entrepreneur public speaker, Dave Carroll, the man behind United Breaks Guitars. Dave, welcome to the boiling point. Finally, <laughs>
2: Guys, it's, uh, it's
1: an honor to be in the boiling point. This is this is no a, a, a small thing. Oh my! God. I I am turning red right now hearing you say that, Dave. Dave, <laughs> I remember seeing you play uh, with Sons of Maxwell so many years ago, so many times in wicked dingy basements and Halifax pubs. I've uh, been following your creative outputs for years, and uh, I'm just so thrilled to be able to introduce you to my uh, my co-host Dave Vale. Have you guys ever met? Have you seen, have you seen Dave uh, play or Sons of Maxwell?
0: I I'm familiar. Um, I'm more familiar with uh, United Breaks guitars, and I know. You probably are getting tired of talking about this, Dave. And but nice to meet you, by the way. Thank you for coming on. Um, but I think for for listeners, it may not be as familiar as Greg or I would be. Can we? Would it be okay if we just started there? Because, um, you know, that that I'm sure people have heard of it, and it would just uh, and and you know, not to not to have to have you drag the story out once again. But it, it, you know, if you could just give people a little context, that would be awesome.
2: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Nice to meet you, Dave. Um, So I started playing music with my brother Don back in the late 80s before the internet. And uh, we were going to Carleton University. We entered a little talent contest and found out that uh, we had just enough talent to get just a little bit of money to play uh, professionally. And so we jumped on that. And uh, 20 years later, just about, we, we had carved out a, a niche for ourselves and managed to be wildly successful in the music business by uh, just being able to make enough money to do that. So, um, <laughs> that's success, isn't it? <laughs> sure is.
0: It is. That's a, that's, and, a, uh, that's a marker for sure.
2: <laughs> so, we ended up uh, playing a showcase and someone from the University of Nebraska saw us play it. They said, would you like to come to Nebraska? And So, Don and I and two other players with us, uh, Mike Hiltz and John Park Wheeler, Jumped on a United Airlines plane in 2008 to go to do that gig for about a week. And uh, when we landed in Chicago to de-plane, somebody on on the plane across the aisle looked out the window and saw uh, baggage handlers throwing our guitars. And at that point, uh, I didn't know anything was broken, just mishandled. But it turned out that my Taylor guitar that I bought for $3,500, when I didn't have $3,500, was really badly damaged. And uh, I stayed on United to get them to take some sort of responsibility for what ended up being a broken guitar. And they didn't want to do that. And uh, after nine months of trying, they said that I didn't open a claim within 24 hours. And so that meant they didn't have to do anything according to their own standards. And at that point, given the option to do nothing or something else, I chose my something else. When, as a musician, that was to get creative. And I thought, there's this new thing called YouTube out there. What if I... Were to make a music video or three with my friends if I could get my friends involved could we make a music video that people might want to watch and I would just share this story in a trilogy and I posted the first one on in July of 2009 and it uh, social media was just just getting started at, at the time and when people would refer to YouTube as the place where you watch people uh, show their cats flushing a toilet I guess there was something unique uh, using using the video to tell a social statement. And uh, and it really took off. It went viral immediately, and so it's ever since, it's kind of been grandfathered as one of the early early adopters of social media to to embed a message.
0: Well, just for listeners that are familiar with it, they might not be familiar with this stat, but I'm just reading that it's been seen by 150 million people worldwide. Is that like that's a that's incredible?
2: Yeah, and in terms of the impressions. Uh, well over that now i think but uh youtube it's it's got 18 million views and uh, and it changed my life and it had all these other effects and it because it dropped united stock by 10 percent
1: what i didn't know that part holy sorry sorry to interrupt keep going that's amazing
2: (laughs) yeah so it 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 ended up uh, in in the summer of 2009 and into september it uh it BBC and The Economist were the first to report that it dropped United Airlines stock by $180 million, and that sent ripples <laughs> oh, across the God. world. What? And it showed that one customer could affect the profitability of one of the world's biggest brands if you don't try and take care of them. And So that's th- that's the main reason that I'm still on the speaker circuit talking about it, because I've taken uh, that credibility-building stat, I guess, and and found other insights in it. In the story, but yeah, it's been pretty transformative for me.
0: In your opinion, what made this such a compelling story for folks? I mean, I'm guessing there's a blend of, but what are the ingredients that you know, as you kind of reflect on it, that make it so powerful and so interesting, and and you know, to the degree that it would, like, a, a stock would actually drop as a result of one one person putting a, you know, with a with you know a team putting Fighting for put, the little yeah. guy. Yeah, like what what what's your what's your theory on that?
2: Well, initially, I had, in the first couple weeks, people were curious to say, why did did it go viral? And I thought, because it was, I used humor, and uh, if you look at the video, it's pretty campy, but uh, the camera, the director of photography, Steve Richard, and Lara Cassidy are professionals, and and, uh, the quality of the video and the audio, because of my friends helping out, was really high at a time when videos were pretty crappy at the time and they were pretty shaky or bad audio, and so the standard for United Breaks Guitars in 2009 was pretty high. Uh, the campiness was all on the, on the front side of the camera. But, uh, <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> and, and so that was one thing, but it, over the years though, a lot of people have done a lot of studying on this, and, and the knee-jerk reaction, people love to watch a fight, and so they, it was presented as a fight between the small guy and the big guy. And that def- definitely drew a crowd, but I think what made the video so enduring and so enjoyable was the fact that it was used, I used humor, and I, it wasn't angry and vengeful. And then ultimately what I, I think became an insight into this over the last few years is that the video was successful because human beings across the world are fundamentally connected with one another. And people in China who couldn't really speak English were emailing me to say, it, basically, as best they could, that they got the message. People in different cultures were getting the same message, and they were inspired in it. And it reminded me that we're really connected with everybody.
0: Well, yeah. there, and there's a David and Goliath-type totally. narrative, right, totally. that I think that we can't deny here as well.
2: Oh, yeah. And, and the media loved that I'm a Dave, so they can say the David and Goliath metaphor all the time, right? I love it.
1: Now, Dave, let's stay within uh, uh, the aviation world for a second. When we think about the more uh, in tune with their clients, uh, airlines like uh, Southwest, for example, um, uh, Virgin, amongst others, how much influence do you think your video had on impacting the way they deliver service? I I never even thought of that in, in, in regards to United Breaks Guitars, but... It, this must have been a signal to the whole industry.
2: It was, and and uh, it, it was funny, actually, when the, when the video went viral, the two people, or the two groups that were least interested in engaging me to, to do things were the airlines and the music industry. The music industry didn't see it really as a valid thing, because no one was using YouTube at the time, and no, no one was really monetizing it, <laughs> and then the airline industry, uh, they all knew the story, they all talked about it, but... Uh, I've spoken at very relatively few airline events, and it's almost like uh, sort of like the blue wall of silence that they acknowledge what went on, but they might not want to engage me personally. But they can't deny what did happen. So uh, I hear all the time from people that have had uh, problems with their guitars or luggage or or internally, and my name gets brought up, or the more United breaks guitars than my name, and. As the as the case studies to be cautious of that things can go off the rails if you don't uh, apologize. And one of the biggest compliments I think the video got was from a Columbia University professor who says that the multi billion dollar social media monitoring industry uh, was partially uh, started through United Brace Guitars.
1: Oh my gosh, man! Like you're you're, you're going to be uh, engraven in history in the Wikipedia's uh, from, from this point forward. <laughs> now, uh, going back to what Dave said uh, a few minutes ago and, and how you responded. As far as our assumption that, oh my gosh, you you personally must be sick and tired of telling the story, your response was, well, it's still making impact. Uh, <clears throat> let's talk about that for a second because um, even though it's made hundreds, of, you know, probably hundreds of millions of impressions at this point in, and the impacts have, have been so wide, there's still so many, so many people that have not been connected to it, which means it, it can still make impact. And I love that because I'm in that position all the time specifically with my films, Uh, like Millennial Dream, for example. I have screened that thing so many times in front of so many people in so many cities that I don't want to see that movie again. (laughs) However, every (laughs) single time I screen it somewhere, it has impact. And people come back and tell us about the impact. And I realize that I can't be selfish with this stuff. And you can't be selfish with the impact of the story that you've got to share. Let's talk about that a little bit, how other entrepreneurs can kind of see their world in you know being inspired by the events that you went through
2: well to, to be honest i don't mind telling the story I, I mean i've i've been a musician for 30 years and there's still songs i've been singing now for 30 straight years point. and uh some of them uh, uh i'd rather not sing but some i still i still like and one of the best pieces of advice that i got uh not personally but by watching but was with tony bennett And he was talking about how somebody had said, do you get tired of singing? I left my heart in San Francisco. And of course he's been singing that for probably like 60, 70 years. And he said, absolutely not. He says every night it's a little bit different. And, uh, that song has taken me around the world. It's allowed me to do all these great things. And, uh, the difference between a professional and, and an amateur is that you bring it like it's the first time every time. And that's what separates you from the men and the boys. And, uh, so when I get a chance to tell the story about United Breaks guitars, yes, I'm telling the story again, but I'm getting an opportunity to share some pretty important insights and hopefully change the world in some way. And I'm very lucky to have that platform uh, to hold people's attention while I'm doing that. So I'm grateful every time I get a chance to tell it.
0: Uh, you know what? Thank you for sharing that because that 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 means like that's so good to hear. Because you know I I made this assumption like oh geez I you know I'm bringing something out that you're gonna go oh my god I got to talk about this again. Uh, for me, it's fascinating, but there's but there's so many layers to it as well. So you also wrote a you know authored a book about United you know how you break guitars and and how, how did that come about and how's that playing? Oh, that's out?
2: a great story. Are um, familiar with Wayne Dyer?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, definitely.
2: Yeah, you know, great author, self help psychologist.
0: And yeah, read a few of his books.
2: Yeah, and I was I was a fan for a long time as well, and uh, I wrote a song called Now about living in the present moment. And he wrote a book called The Power of Intention, which yeah. inspired me to, to take a look at Eckhart Tolle's book called The Power of Now. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was all fired up. I said, I want to try and write a song that captures all of that. So I did. And I was happy with what uh, I ended up with. And I since, you know, the song has been enjoyed by like, quite a few people. And, yeah. and so I wanted to send some gratitude to Wayne Dyer for getting that going. So I sent an email to him. But I never heard back because I, apparently he didn't do email. And after the video went viral... Uh, I was reading another one of his books called Excuses Be Gone, and in that book he gave a shout-out to his daughter who was making ladies' handbags, and it's called Urban Junket. And so I said, well, I want to send a thank-, a thank you for the Now song. I'll send it to her, because everybody's starting a business. A young entrepreneur answers everyone's emails, <laughs> yep. as we know. And so I sent her an email and said, I'm a fan of your dad. He inspired the song called Now. Uh, could you send it to him, please? And I also wrote this thing called United Breaks Guitars you might want to check out. And she wrote back, she says, oh, my God, United Breaks Guitars. I live in San Diego, right by El Cajon, where they make the guitars. And I love that story. I'll, I'll see my dad in two weeks, and I'll give him your song now. <laughs> And uh, and two weeks later, she writes back, and he had nothing to say at that time about the song now. But uh, she said, my dad loves United Brace Guitars, and he sees this as a story of non-confrontation, and he thinks you should write a book about it. And and so he said, you should call Reed Tracy, the publisher of of Hay House Publishing, on this date at this time. And so uh, about a week later, I called Reed Tracy, and 30 minutes after that, I had a book deal.
0: Holy chompers, man! This uh, is incredible. Talk about power of intention.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Milky Wayne
0: Dyer. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so so and and then what did that like? So have you written a book before? Was this your foot first book? Like, what was the experience like?
2: It was uh, interesting. I, I didn't get too stressed out about it. So I had uh, I I typically uh, I'm a morning person, and the mornings are quieter for everybody, I guess. And so I would sort of block off between eight and ten every morning to uh, write the book, and it turned out to maybe only three days a a week would I get a chance to do that, because I'd get distracted by other things, but that was enough to to do it. They said it had to be like 35,000 words, and that seemed like a pile to me. So I I made the title United Breaks to Guitars, The Power of One Voice in the Age of Social Media, because that that, that was like a thousand words right there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're like like only in our brains, (laughs) 34,990 left.
1: Um, Dave, I want, okay, this is a a serious question for me, as I've been finding myself, and and Dave is a public speaker as well, but I've really been trying to, well, I shouldn't say trying, I have been speaking on a, a lot of stages speaking mostly to the power of uh, business as a force for good, but also to storytelling and whatnot. Um, I don't have a book, um, but the neat thing that I do have is films, and that has helped me get onto a number of stages, but it still feels like having the book is that key to getting on the right stages. Do you see any truth to that, and how has it helped you in your speaking career?
2: Uh, Yeah, so... I believe that if you have a book, it gives you more credibility within the business, but uh, I think that's unfortunate because I, I really don't think most people read all of the books that if even if you give them away or uh, if you give somebody a 250 page book, most people are not completing it. And uh, it really it really doesn't mean anything because you can publish uh, your own book these days. and I know there's there's companies out there that if you pay them, I think the price is something like thirty thousand dollars and the cost. Of all of the books you can get on the New York Times bestseller list, they guarantee it. So what does that even mean anymore? It means nothing. Yeah. So I think, uh, I believe content is king. If you're going to write a, a, a book, make sure it's a good book. And if if it is, the ideas will filter out. And a book is just really a different delivery device for information. You can do it orally or with films or with books. But but yeah, I think we're still at a time when when having a book gives you a foot up and by that, I think I've got speaking gigs, just because I had a book. Uh, but it doesn't mean that they ever read any of it. I don't know if they did.
0: Did the did the process of of taking the time, you know, those three mornings a week, you know, right, getting your thirty five thousand words down, having it edited, and kind of probably going back at it again, did that? Did you find the process help shape the story in your own mind, or maybe even how you see it, or you know, and 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 you know, the topic?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I found that it really centered me and helped me get clear on how I wanted to say it. Uh, I'm a big believer in storytelling so I had to choose which which stories would serve the overall story the most It would be like editing a film I imagine and uh, you can only put so many things in and there's a certain flow to it and timing and and uh, positioning of and how you say it. it's uh, it was a real education and I had I had a good editor and uh, she really. Uh, taught me a few things about segways and getting from one chapter to another and so yeah, I I really like the
0: experience. Speaking of segways, you're talking. Just so you know, Dave, you're talking to Greg Hemmings. One, the, yeah, I call him the Segway Master. Like he, but, but, will, I, but he I don't will, drive one. He will. Yeah, he doesn't drive a Segway, <laughs> but he, man, the guy can Segway any introduction. <laughs> I'm like, how is he gonna Segway us into the next guest we have? And bam, he does it. So, so he, he could, you could actually speak on that, Greg. Just, Making
1: segways. Yes. And it could be a picture of Job from Rusted Development going down down the street in front of the banana stand in a Segway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Dave, uh, i've got an interesting question the or at least i think it's an interesting question <laughs> sorry i'm gonna start laughing anyway um the your ability to write songs must have been quite a natural asset for writing a book what have you found in after writing a book uh in, in a way that has uh, impacted your uh your songwriting
2: uh that's a good question um I think with songwriting, it's all about economy, and you really have a, you have to really edit yourself down. You've got a really limited amount of time, and I found I thought at first a book would be like that too, but you do have to be more economical, and uh, it just it reminded me that there's always a better way to say something. There's a there's always a different way to pare it down, and uh, uh, I'm dealing with with uh, you guys right now as as we. Uh, or talking about maybe doing an animation with, with uh, your company, eh, Greg?
1: Yeah, that's right. Which is super and, exciting.
2: And I, I wrote a little script, uh, and it's a little longer than it needs to be. And to me, it seemed like that's just the right length. But it's going to have to get tighter, and and uh, that's just part
0: of the process. You know, I'd be curious about your opinion on this, Dave. Is like, um, you know, so social media has so much, you know, power for good, right? If you, as you've exercised. And then you know it also can amplify voices like you said on the extremes and well, just
1: like in, in Myanmar right now, Facebook coming out today <clears throat> saying that they acknowledge full on that the violence against the Rohingya was amplified like a millionfold because of Facebook.
0: So what I'm trying to get a handle on. I guess is 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 that is it is it just that there is there's that amplification? Is there really more people? You know, shifting as a result of that, like it's just hard. It's hard to get a sense of it. I mean, I guess you know, recent elections would maybe point to the it's actually happening, right? People are more polarized. But in terms of how social media can can amplify, you know, um, some of the divisions and the, the the voices that are are maybe more extreme. What what? How do we make sense of that, Dave? Well, I think
2: social media is is the dark underbelly of it. Is that people with extreme ideas have a louder voice than ever. And so, going back to that model I have, when you get people that are at the extremes, they, they can't even hear or, or see even the people that they hate the most that they're throwing insults at. And so they end up, imagine if, if you had an extreme left or right throwing at the opposite extreme insults and hurling these, these labels. They, they'll never reach them, but they'll arc over and they'll just land just to the left or the right of whatever side. Uh, they're against, and that will hit the base of the people that have more in common with the people that just just across the other side. But when the wall as it is right now, you are either left or right. You cannot come over and 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 uh, be part of the other side in any way. Uh, just like refugees being shelled by artillery, they can only run away as they should in one direction, and so they end up going more to the extreme, and they're hanging out with people they would never ever normally hang out with, and then as or only friends are hanging around together some of them start the extremists start to actually make some sense and people are tired of, of being insulted and labeled so they dig in against the other side and that's where i think you see the polarization coming in if we if we had more as a friend of mine said air that there's not enough air at the extremes there's not enough appreciation inclusion or respect And if we had those three things, you could still stay close to the center, still have your strong beliefs about something, but still have appreciation and inclusion and respect of people on the other side without having to leave the center. And so I'm hoping that uh, maybe we can come back to some sort of sanity like that.
1: As you're speaking, I I think about the number of stories that I've heard on both sides uh, of the wall in Gaza with uh, the the Palestinians and the Israelis where so many civilians who... All of this, this war, this historic political religious war, is so out of their control, and so many different uh, touching stories where um, uh, families from both sides have been involved in helping the other. Kind of fits to your illustration that you just talked about, where the government and the status quo and the the other forces are kind of those extremes that are that are wanting to eliminate each other, but. The forces in the middle are the people, the, the innocent civilians, who, yes, come from a different cultural and spiritual and religious background, sure. But uh, if everything was reset, would most likely have an incredibly uh, respectful relationship. Um, so that's a really neat illustration. Uh, that, you know, the, the far ends of that story are the, the, the government structures and, and uh, a historic story that has never been reset. So thanks, thanks for that, Dave. That was a really neat, uh, neat way to look at that.
2: Well, I, I believe in in what I call compassionate design, which would be instilling compassion as a cornerstone, part of the DNA of your organization or uh, the way you see the world. And we spend a lot of money on, say, the military-industrial complex. But uh, in the Middle East, in terms of Israel, it's a great example of what could be if if people just decided instead of putting all that money into, into the military, what if we put it all into something like uh, water desalination? If you could take masses of, of salt water, desalinate it, and send it to places that didn't have uh, arable land, say, in a desert, uh, you'd be in really great shape. And it turns out that Israel is the world's leader in water desalination, and they're in the desert, and they're a net exporter of food. Right next to them is Iran, who's got one of the most serious water crisis in the world right now where 50 million people could be displaced and they're on the road to getting nuclear weapons so uh israel and iran have this basis uh, where they could be compassionate and see themselves in each other come together on something that could be a trillion dollar industry in the world but uh you got to want to do it first you have to see yourself and the other people and have that motivation
1: that is an incredible way of looking at it and knowing full well that is, Israel is a, a global hub of innovation as well. Like, they, they've they got everything that it would take to do something like that, except for the political will.
2: So, right, and uh, but what most people don't know is that in the 1960s, during the Shah era, that Israel and Iran were working together on water um, water issues, and it was very undercover, and they didn't advertise it, but uh, they have a basis for that already, and it was, it was working. But uh, then it got...
1: Down. And, uh, you know, just one, more, one last point on that, too, is when we look at um, extremism, um, which, uh, of course, uh, oftentimes can lead to terrorism and uh, other such activities, you know, people who are displaced are at a very high uh, danger of being pulled into what looks like a safe, uh, a safe place to be. Just like what you said, when you're pushed to the far, far extremes, things start to make sense, you know because you're you're getting one story one rock being thrown at you so looking at world peace wouldn't that be amazing to allow people not to be displaced by reducing war um eliminating war uh, bringing food water into these places um mm-hmm. that's incredible that's a really you good know, I think uh, the I,
2: I think the answer going forward is the individual responsibility we have is to fight the urge to move to the extremes and so thing i came up with is take the take the hit not the bait when you're being faltered or being labeled and you have that sense of urgency to go towards people that will not judge you that way maybe uh don't be so quick to do that don't let your ego get in the way and try and see yourself and the other people and and uh stay closer to the center because that's where, the only place you're going to be able to hear or see yourself and other people you have to be able to see them or hear them
0: and it's you know and it's um it's that's a hard thing to do, you know. And oh, Yeah, it's not easy at all. And and I I you know, I t- I totally agree with you and it's just so interesting to see <clears throat> uh, and I like the idea of, you know, exercising compassion, but it's you know, I have a belief around compassion for myself anyways is it's like any other muscle you need to exercise on a regular basis. And yep. I remember reading a book, I think it was Dalai Lama, You know, happiness maybe was. Um, Anyways, in one of his suggestions is, you know, develop compassion and to practice compassion. You know, start with someone who you may feel neutral about, you know? And I thought, wasn't that interesting, right? Not someone you you hate or love, but someone, you know, and it was like, ugh, like it really, really requires. It was like, so I I thought of someone I worked on. Was it it me? No, I love (laughs) you, man. I love you. Um, But I I hope, well, I, I look forward to seeing the, um, you know, the, you guys are working on a project together? Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking. What, what's we're, it going to show up as, like a video of some sort? Or?
1: I think we're just uh, spitballing ideas right now, but when Dave was telling me about this on the phone, I think we both came to that, you know, that concept of, wow, this is such a visual concept that it should and could very well be a very compelling little animation that, yeah. that could spread for the right reasons. You know, like people are yeah. like, yeah, I, I believe in this. Right on. And, you know,
0: um, hey, yeah. I got a question. i um, changing gears a little bit. I mean, uh, but... I hear you testified on Capitol Hill in Washington at one point. What was what was that like?
2: Yeah, it, was, it was just one of the—in in that first year, that's when most of the craziest things happened. And, and yeah, we found ourselves—I uh, brought to some of the band with me, Scott Ferguson and uh, Mike Hiltz and Chris Ianetti. and Eddie. Uh, and we went to Washington for a passenger's rights hearing. And uh, so everybody in, in the room was supposed to be on the side of the passenger's rights bill that has since, I think, been passed. And uh, yeah, we got
0: to sing our testimony, and apparently that's never happened on Capitol Hill before. Really? And so, yeah, the, is this were like all senators sitting around in that kind of oval table? And
2: <laughs> yeah, nice. it was a uh, it was uh, like a bunch of Sen- senator Senator Barbara Boxer was there; she was the highest profile um, one that I remember, and and I got to. You know, we sang the testimony, and then I got to go on the panel and, and just talk a little bit. What was the reaction? Were
0: they sitting stone-faced, or were they kind of, you know, tapping their shoes, or what? Like, what was, how were they? Yeah, it's,
2: it's one of those things that, <laughs> the video's been one of those things that it's in such a, a middle ground position that everyone can enjoy and sort of chuckle at it. So it, it seems that, even still, it's one of those things that people uh, sort of just sit up and and enjoy. No, Dave, you are got to be it's a great honest. position to actually talk after that.
1: you are got to be honest. Um, tell me did you actually throw up a big sociable at the end of the song
0: (laughs) (laughs) at the same hearing. sociable everyone gets on the
1: table and yeah takes their coffees (laughs) yeah exactly for those listeners outside the uh, maritimes that's how we cheers here (laughs) okay well Dave listen there's so much more to talk about as well and I think what I'd like to invite you to is in the near future Let's have you back on again uh, to talk about your new business uh, venture and ventures, if Mm -hmm. that's of interest. Um, Yeah, for sure. And and perhaps that would be, um, you know, if if we're uh, blessed enough to be able to work together and make an animation, maybe that would be a good time to invite you back on so we can uh, push it out and get even further reach. We do have a a lovely listening audience that seems to spread uh, all through the U.S., and in Canada and elsewhere in the world, which is which is really great. So the the podcasting space is a whole new new uh, set of ears to uh, to connect with. So
0: and for people that want to, what's the best way for them to learn more about you? Like what what's the you know maybe not email like uh, Wayne Dyer. Um What's the best way yeah. to to reach out and connect with you?
2: I'm still kind of old school, so the best way to see what I'm up to in all regards is through the website, so Music dot com. You have to say the music part. Or you, you get a different Dave Carroll in uh, in England. Okay. And uh, so DaveCarrollMusic.com. And to that end, too, if I can make a little plug for something I'm up to, oh, uh, I have a new a new song called "Let Your Heart Shine Bright," which is a song about uh, it's sort of is the essence of everything we were talking about today. It's and uh, uh, it's a really nice production. It sounds good and everything. But I want to incorporate that into a music video, and uh, I'd like to have maybe listeners who have images that are really strong that t- bring out the essence of the song, something that shows people being the best, their best selves uh, to, if they want to be in the video, send me the, submit it, and then go to letyourheartshinebright.com. Cool. And uh, I will put as many of the images into the into the video as possible. And then also I'd like to curate... The story behind the stories, the people sent, because that's often more impactful than just the image. So, if somebody sees the video in the, or, and sees their, a picture in the video, they think, "Where is that coming from?" or "Who? What's the story behind that?" They can go to the website and, and read up on it. And the idea is just to fill people today with a, a few extra minutes of goodness rather than the negativity
1: and it is a beautiful song dave i love it like it's as you mentioned it the song went right into my head because the melody is is fantastic and dave i uh, i submitted a, a a few videos as Did well you? yeah um hopefully they worked out for you uh, dave uh, i'd be excited to see them uh, in the video if you choose
2: Oh yeah,
1: not for to sure. put on the spot. Jeez. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, no pressure, <laughs> yeah. no pressure. But that's like what I, what I. That's a brilliant project. Like yeah. that is such a cool uh, way to for people to experience, but also kind of because you you do wonder when you see some images like what the story is behind it. So that you know, I, I really appreciate um, you know how positive you are and what you're, you're clearly that's a big part of you know your mandate and your. What you're about is just uh, bringing positivity, and even even as you tackle a challenging uh, and compassion, huge compassion. But even as you challenge, you know, you know, uh, United Airlines, you do it in a in a way that's uh, respectful and and like you said, humorous, but also impactful. And that's a hard thing to do. So well, you know, that's your you know, incredible job on that tight, tight rope. So uh, you know, really nice well, to meet you and hear your story, Dave. Well,
2: it's not every day, but I'll I'll take that. Uh, I don't feel like that every day.
0: But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling I you got, you got a nice body of work around that though I, that's pretty very very cool yeah thank you man Dave
1: have a great one my friend I look forward to our uh, our further conversations my friend
2: thanks guys pleasure, pleasure to be in the boiling point
1: alright Dave take care see you Dave see ya bye bye
0: cool eh oh man what
1: oh a my d- gosh he's, a, he's a, he is a force he's An a absolute total force.
0: genuine guy like, You you know mm. So, um, you know, full disclosure, I come into the interview a little bit late knowing yeah, it's Dave, yeah, I, feel, yeah, I, yeah, have, I have, late. I have a great reason, <laughs> but I, that I can't disclose, but, um, I, you know, but, but not a good reason, uh, because I am late. Right. And, and, uh, and you know what a kind person he was to to not to let you fully throw him and, into the and bus and for Dino's a And yeah. you know great. You
1: as far as the audience uh, is concerned, you weren't late. Cause, no, I know, yeah. I know. And I'm just so telling you, I'm just telling the being audience that right now. Yeah, right, now. right
0: this <laughs> moment. And 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 but what I was gonna what I was gonna add to that, and kind of as a takeaway, is that immediately I got the sense that you know here's someone who's. Um, you know just very comfortable in his own skin you know you i know the story you know but I, and i don't know him you know him uh, much better than i i do because i'm just meeting him um but um you know and then as he shares the story and this other stuff he's doing um he just comes across as just such a genuine uh authentic kind of kind person who's who's also committed to doing good and uh just a perfect guest for us and so thank you for, for yeah, inviting him yeah, on and totally. thanks to dave for coming on so he just so and and then you know and and humility like saying well i'm not like that all the time at the very end there um I, i'm guessing he's probably like that more much more than than the average human being mm-hmm. and uh so so a neat role model and uh you
1: know it, it's true I, I remember seeing his band in halifax at so many different times uh incredibly talented musician him and his brother Don, um, and uh, and then Dave on all of his solo work, and the song that uh, he's talking about, "Let Let Your Heart Shine," is just such a catchy tune. You're are we, are we
0: able to like get that in the show notes, or is that a or is that? A, well, we'll find out. Yeah, that'd we'll, be cool. We'll,
1: we'll reach out and see if we can put a link in.
0: Imagine that just imagine that's kicking in right now as we're ending the. the oh, I like
1: that. Yeah. That's right. What's the What's the website again for people to get uh, to submit their pictures and their videos? It must be connected through Dave Carroll Music. Yeah, so go check out Dave Carroll Music C A
0: R R O L L Music dot com. Uh,
1: and speaking of dot coms, uh, check out BoilingPointPodcast.com. The master, the master I was of the right? yeah. And uh, not make, writing one. <laughs> make sure you put your email in because we want to be able to communicate with you and let you know who some of our upcoming rock star guests are going to be. And when I say rock star, I mean literally and figuratively Um, just now that was a literal one that was Uh, and uh, yeah so this is great we really uh, appreciate everybody's uh, support to the show this podcast Um, if you really want to support us uh, we are uh, excited to attract people to our Patreon page so just go to patreon.com and search Boiling Point podcast and you will find us and uh, we always appreciate that help and if, if you're a corporate sponsor that really is connected to the stories that we're, we're bringing to you. Um, David, I haven't really done this yet. We've played around with the sponsors a few times, but we've never really actively found one. Uh, we found a few, but, found a few just, yeah.
0: but just um, kind of one-offs, right? Yeah,
1: just reach out to us, because we, we've got some packages uh, that we're building uh, in mind. With that, have a beautiful, awesome, whatever day it is today that you're to And a compassionate day.
0: Love it. Cheers. Cheers.
2: your heart shine bright let it go crazy shine a light where it's dark and shady give your love to the world and maybe hi i'm steve Yerko. and i'm tara sands
0: now available from maji media is our new podcast for kids flashback